Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Fenton, and this is Your Health Matters. This podcast is here to help you learn more about your health and the healthcare system so that you can advocate for what you need. I'm so excited to bring you this week's episode. I'm bringing on Jess, who is a stress and resilience coach. And I feel that we could all have better strategies to deal with stress and a better understanding of stress. And Jess really delivers on that in this episode. Um, When you get to about the halfway point, we had some technical difficulties. So we kind of cut out and then um, cut back into the episode. So if it sounds a little funny, that is, (laughs) that's what's happening. So just, just bear with us there. Um, And I hope that you really learn something new for yourself about stress and uh, possibly a new way to manage it. So without further ado, let's dive in. All right. Hi, Jess. Thanks uh, for hanging on Your Health Matters this week. And I'm really excited to talk to you and and share uh, your story and what you know with um, the people that listen. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here on your podcast and, and share with all your people. Yeah. Um, so I thought we'd just start with uh, you giving a little bit of a background of who you are and um, and what you do. Yeah. I am a stress resilience coach, and I know that I didn't really make that up, but when when I did come up with that, there weren't there wasn't a lot out there in the way of like stress coaching, which I see a lot more now, which makes sense after the last couple of years. That's great. <laughs> Um, but what, what I do is like a brain-based approach to stress management because my background is in neuropsychology and I worked in neurodevelopmental research for a little while. And honestly, I kind of thought that was my, my, my thing that I had found. And I thought that I was going to go into research and be a researcher. And then I worked in research and realized I do not love that part of research. So I will not be doing that. Um, Anyway, so I work with folks on just understanding how we work as human beings, because I fully believe that if we don't understand how something works, we can't, we can't begin to manage it or, or have a better relationship with it. And I think that here in the States, anyways, our understanding of how we work as humans is so lacking because of just a lack of wellness education, a lack of understanding of, of, of the physiology behind why we work the way that we do. And um, so I think that's a really important piece. So I work with, with people about understanding those things and then implementing tools like breath work and movement and, and mindset and some other things to, regulate the nervous system and build kind of self-regulatory techniques, um, and habits, nervous system kind of hygiene habit. Um, so that's what I do. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, I do really feel people, at least in, in my work as a PT and also, uh, with my yoga studio, people are very disconnected from themselves and disconnected from how they're feeling. And, I mean, particularly I'm in, in the world where, where we're, there's a lot of tech here. So um, I feel that the demands of their jobs, a lot of the tech industry people, um, because they're so focused on their 
on their work. They just, it's very easy to get disconnected from how you're feeling and even realize that you might be stressed, like not even realizing it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's a huge piece is being able to identify what stress, what stress is, you know, that it's not all, it's not all bad, but, but what it is for you, how it's showing up for you in your body, what, just what that looks like, because we do. And I think this is, there are a lot of layers here and it goes into, you know, I think the society that we live in champion burnout and, and productivity over, overall. And there are just a lot of, there's, I think that's a whole other conversation, but because of that, excuse me, because of that, I think we have learned to ignore ourselves and kind of ignore the signals that we're getting about the stress in our bodies and, and how it's affecting us because our, our kind of goal and what we're taught is the most important is to just keep working, keep pushing, push through it, all of these things. And so, yeah, I think we have learned to ignore ourselves for so long that we don't even know, we don't know how to identify those things. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to take you back a little bit to what you were saying before, because I think this is kind of important to highlight to our people is, um, so what do you, um, cause you were saying that not all stress is bad stress. Could you uh, like elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah. So there are actually, you know, several different types of stress if we, if we want to go there right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Let's> but, <go. laughs> um, and there, there are, you know, I've heard, I hear people saying, I think with, with the, the with with good intentions that you know stress is stress is stress and your body doesn't know and it just reacts the same in either way and yes and no it depends is the answer for that um which is the greatest answer and the worst all at the same time um but what we have different types of stress and our you know we have acute stress that is kind of just like the daily uh, stresses, anxieties about a test or traffic or relationships or all of that kind of thing. um, That's more like short term. And that's how the stress response is intended to work is just kind of a, an immediate response. And then we have episodic acute stress, which is those stressors that are never really dealt with and just kind of build up. And that goes into chronic stress, which is the most harmful because it's never addressed and then it's constantly wearing on our system. And then in addition to that, we also have uh, psychological stress and physical stress, which are very different. Um, Psychological stress is, has a different biochemical reaction in our bodies and then a cascading effect of, of different types of um, instructions that are given to our body and to our brain because of that, then physical stress does. Um, and physical stress uh, can come in various forms. We get that a lot from exercise, which is mostly beneficial um, as long as it's not too much because then it becomes, you know, not a great thing. Right. And then we also have eustress, which is a positive stress. And that gives us those feelings of excitement and fulfillment and meaning and 
well-being and that um, is good. And I think the most the most important part for me that I like to communicate to people is that stress is not inherently bad. And we hear so much about the detriments of stress and just headlines everywhere about how stress is killing us. And that's not untrue. I mean, stress, we have, a, it's an epidemic here um, and around the world, but it's not, it's not the stress itself. It's how we, again, ignore it or how we are not dealing with it. That is the problem. Um, and then there's, there's new research showing that Kelly, Dr. Kelly, Kelly McGonigal, who's up there at Stanford, um, she has, is a stress researcher and she has fantastic research, um, about the, your beliefs around stress and how that actually affects the biomarkers, um, and the hormones and neurochemicals that are produced accordingly. So just how we think stress is affecting us affects how stress affects us. Um, so it's all really interesting. Yeah. But stress is not all bad. There are good types of stress. And then there's, you know, some of us seek stress. I think about like endurance athletes and how that is incredibly stressful on the body, but it is intentional or, you know, a lot of some, what I, some work that I do with my clients is intentionally inducing the sympathetic response, the, the stress response to then intentionally calm down and bring the parasympathetic response in, um, to train that response that we actually want to be having. So there's that intentional stress. Um, so yes, there's, there's a lot going on in there. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I, uh, I, I think about that in, in terms of yoga too, because at least the style that I teach power yoga, um, the beginning half of it is really to kind of get the sympathetic, that, that heightened level response going on. And then the second half of it is to start to break into that parasympathetic, um, nervous system and calm down so that, um, when you get to Savasana, you can really like fully rest. Yes. Yes. I love that. You've tapped into both of those things. Um, so that's, that's really, um, interesting with your work that you practice with your clients, like getting into that sympathetic, but also parasympathetic, um, state. So what are some things that you do with your clients to like, to do that? So my first, my anchor is always breath work because Mm -hmm. it is this incredible tool that we have just always available. We are always breathing and most of the time not paying any attention to it because we don't have to. And so we don't, but how we breathe informs how we function, how our brain functions, how much oxygen is getting to our body, just everything. Our, Our health is so tied to our breathing. And again, most of the time we're not, I mean, I never knew that until I set out to explore breath work and the science behind it. Um, it's not something that we just kind of learn growing up uh, for most of us. And um, anyway, so we do uh, a lot of focus on on breath work because it is this immediate tool. And the way that I work with people is in creating kind of micro habits throughout the day. Uh, like I said, a, a nervous system hygiene practice, like brushing your teeth is something you do two minutes, you know, twice a day. And if we were to do that, just like, you know, for an hour, once a month, it would not be as beneficial. 
And right. I think when people, you know, think about like breathwork classes, because there are a lot of longer breathwork classes that are, you know, a half hour, an hour. And those are great. If you have the time to, to, to explore that, that's fantastic. But I think that gets into the difference between relaxation and self-regulation. And those are different things. And we need both. Um, but when we're talking about managing our stress, that self-regulation piece is where we really need to be paying attention. And so two minutes at a time, five minutes at a time um, is incredibly beneficial. And I think that's something we have these kind of ideas about, oh, if it's not enough time, it doesn't look a certain way, it's not in a certain setting, then it might not be worth it or as useful. And it's just, that's just not true. Um, so breath work and then um, a different different exercises for vagal toning, um, which is just, you know, accessing that, that vagus nerve, which runs from uh, our head and then all the way through our body into our, um, internal organs. And it's just, it's so pretty. I love, I love pictures of it because it's so cool. Um, but it's just this, you know, information super highway that we actually have access to, uh, participate with. And that helps bring us into that parasympathetic side of our, that calming rest, digest, repair side of our nervous system. Um, so we do some exercises with that. And then, um, also a lot of, a lot of work with, uh, mindset, which I still am apprehensive to say the word mindset because <laughs> I think it has a really negative connotation. And even I remember very clearly thinking like, that sounds like some just nonsense. <laughs> And I think that, you know, like everything, there is a lot of poor information out there. Um, but our thoughts are biological events. They have a cascade of physiological reactions in our body. And so what we have in our headspace is incredibly important, especially to the stress response that is dictated by our perception of things, which is how we think. So, yes. So, so it is useful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. And I can attest to that. When I woke up at 2.30 a.m. last night, freaking out about like literally having thoughts about my studio and like, when are we going to get back into brick and mortar? Like literally having panic at 2.30 a.m. last night. And yeah. I noticed that when I'm panicked, my breath is so short mm. and shallow and mm -hmm. um, my body is really tense. Now, for me, I've been practicing like breathing and like being, being in touch with like how my body feels so that that's like, I could, I could look at it and be an observer and be able to like figure out how to calm my nervous system down in like the middle of the night. But I think for a lot of people, that's really difficult if you haven't practiced it before. So I really like that um, you try to structure their breath work like throughout the day, like with like a two minute or five minute thing so that it's something that you can use at any time. Cause you just don't know when a stress you can't, you can't control stresses that are coming in. No, you can't control that. You can only control how you respond to it. So um, I think yeah. it's super great that like you focus on just like short periods of time that people are able to accomplish and feel like good about so they can use it throughout their day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the thing when we are doing that frequently throughout our day, when we're training our, our, our response in that way to navigate between, you know, an activated elevated state, and then that calm repair state, it is then training the automatic response that will follow when those stressors do come. And we're not 
you know, maybe consciously thinking about it, if we're practicing a certain thing, that's what is going to automatically happen from our, our brain and nervous system, because that's what we've practiced. And so that, that part is really important. All right. So if you just got, uh, we just got some technical difficulties, so we're just going to keep moving on. And apparently I have the worst memory. I'm going to blame that I didn't sleep well last night that I can't remember what we what we stopped in the middle of, but um, we were talking about breath work and um, just basically learning in short bursts. Like if you can practice throughout the day, uh, you can, you can start to regulate better in those like more stressful moments. I think. (laughs) Yeah. I'll agree. That sounds right. (laughs) Um, So do you, I don't, and I don't know, I, I'm going to ask this question, but I also hate when people ask me this question in PT when they're like, how long is it going to take? Um, mm. But do you notice with, <laughs> do you notice with your clients, um, like once they start implementing breath work, um, when they start kind of reporting that they're able to deal with stress better? Um, I guess no is, is, yeah. The answer, because my, my thoughts go to just like, it's so individually driven, you know, it depends on where, what kind of state their nervous system has been in, all of the experiences that they've had that have shaped and informed that, um, how frequently they're, they're practicing and what that right. looks like and what their current life situation is. So, so no, I, I don't, there isn't like a, you know, do this three times a day for six weeks and right everything's going to be great, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, but I will say the other amazing thing about, about breath work and why it is such an incredible tool is that it has immediate effects. And so when you are, you know, depending on what type of result you're looking for and what type of technique you're, you're using, um, when you're in, you know, say you're in, having some anxiety and you implement some longer exhales and tap into that parasympathetic system, it will, it's like a, you flip that switch in your nervous system and it is an immediate uh, response that you get. And so that's great. And then as you continue to build that training, then it lasts longer and, you know, is not quite as severe when those, those bouts of stress and anxiety do come up. Um, but yeah, it's different. I would say, I mean, I have, I have a client I've been working with for almost a year now and I've seen incredible, um, growth and progress. And I think like anything in this whole human journey, I think we want, you know, the brain wants certainty. The brain wants certainty and control because that's safety and it's number one job is to keep us alive. And so then it can plan and predict and all of these things, but in reality, we have control over just about nothing and nothing is certain and we don't. And so this is very stressful for us. And so, you know, but it's, it's an ongoing path to, to learn um, and practice will look different at different times. And I think that it is, I think that's the important thing to, to remember, which is an awful answer for people who are like, yeah, but is this going to work right, right now? But it's just it's an ongoing, uh, process. Yeah. I, and I, 
I totally get that. I think, um, so I work with quite a few like chronic pain type people and I'll have, I'll have patients that'll be like, so when am I, when am I not going to feel pain again? And I'm like, well, I don't know. It takes kind of a while to rewire your brain. Like it thinks it's in (laughs) danger right now. So we got to figure out how to make it think that it's not in danger because that's why you're in pain. And until we can like figure that out, it might take a while. And that doesn't mean that you're never going to have pain again. Like pain is kind of just a part of life and Mm -hmm. um, it sucks. And though, if you have better tools to like manage it, it won't feel as overwhelming and like stopping you from your life. Yes, exactly. All of that with stress and anxiety as well. I think that you know, we have, I've had so many people come to me and say like, I just want to get rid of stress. How do I do that? (laughs) As long as you're a human, that doesn't exist. There's no such thing as this like magical stress-free life or, you know, I used to have this idea when I was struggling with stress a lot, which is kind of what led me here, that some people just didn't have stressful lives. And that was because they didn't have a lot of problems and you know, couldn't possibly understand what I was going through. I was very, you know, in this space where I was kind of unaware of other people. (laughs) And and the fact that everyone has stress and everyone has problems, regardless of what your life might look like. Um, And it's not about getting rid of it. And And the same thing with anxiety. I think that we, because we have such a strange relationship with our, ourselves and understanding that mental health is physical health. It's inextricably combined and it's not I love that we recognize it now and people talk about their depression and their anxiety but I also think that diagnosis isn't always helpful in a lot of ways um and that gets into a whole conversation about like where did the diagnosis come from who is creating those where you know what is the bias there and all of these things um but I think you know again if you are human with a nervous system you will experience anxiety and there are different levels of that and different ways that it affects people. Um, But I think it's easy to kind of be like, well, I have this thing and that's it. Um, And I've lost where I was going with this, but yeah, it's not, it's not about doing away with these things. It's about learning how to navigate and have a better relationship with them and knowing how to, how to, how to steer when we're in that. Right. Yeah, because there's just no way we're going to get rid of stress unless no. you're dead. <laughs> that's that's really the only way. And I don't, for me, recommend. that's not the option I want. Yeah, you yeah. Know? No, no, I don't recommend that. Not no. there's, there's stuff, because sometimes stress, what can come from stress is like really kind of beautiful, actually. Like there can yeah. be some really things that, that come from it that are actually amazing. Yes, absolutely. It is a biologically adaptive response. It is designed to allow us to learn from experience so that we survive, you know, the things. And it's what helps us learn how to navigate these circumstances in the future in a better way that's not so stressful, not so traumatic. And, and so that we just kind of know how to do that. And it's, it helps us to grow and learn how to navigate life. Right. It, it, it is, it is really great. And something I ask, you know, some of my, uh, the people that I work with is to think about some of the most stressful times in life and what they gained from it. 
not that like, was it a great time? No, I'm sure it wasn't. It sucked. It's not, we're not trying to say like, oh, it's great. Everything's great. And toxic positivity all over it. Because that's a whole other thing about like, we don't, we're not taught either to acknowledge our emotions or how to process or just like be with that. Um, And every state of being human is acceptable because if we have the capacity for it, it's meant to be there. Um, But it's just learning how to navigate all of that. So it's, it's not about trying to pretend it's something it's not, but it's acknowledging that it, you know, the benefits that might have come from it and probably did because again, you're adapting and growing with that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, when you were talking about particularly around the feeling stuff, I think about like my kiddo being a toddler and like one of the things that I feel like has come forward with like psychological development and stuff is like with kiddos, what you want to do, particularly toddlers. And this is even true for adults is you want to acknowledge the feeling, like you're acknowledging the feeling that might be there. It can be a negative or positive feeling and you are acknowledging the feeling. Um, And with toddlers, it's more like you have to create the boundary. Like with my kiddo, like right now, he, when he gets angry, he hits. So we're like, I see that you're feeling angry right now. It's okay to feel angry and it's not okay to hit. And then we have like a list of coping (laughs) strategies that we're learning to teach him so that he can, so that as he gets older, he can realize that that feeling of anger, it's not a bad feeling. It's just a feeling that's there. And then how do you deal with it in a way to like disperse it? Um, quickly. And I, I feel like our generation, like definitely didn't get that. Like I think about how my parents deal with that when they come to like see my kiddo and he's like, he's like crying. They're like, don't cry. Don't cry. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like, and it's like, what? (laughs) He's just like crying is, I I did this whole thing. Crying is such a fascinating thing and it is meant to help us process pain and stress. (laughs) Like you have to do it, but we've been, because it wasn't acceptable for that generation. And it was like, I mean, like what I heard was, I did not grow up in a healthy home, like, like many of us, but you know, I I grew up with the messages of like, just just suck it up. Do you want me to give you something to cry about? You know, which is all these things that like made it very clear that crying was unacceptable and it was just weakness. And like, there are neurochemicals in, in emotional tears that help you process stress. Like it is something you have to do. It's your body is trying to help you move that stress and that feeling out of your body so that you can be healthy and you don't, it's not stuck inside of you. Right. And, you know, and, and what you said about your toddler, that is so true for so many adults, especially of our age who our generation who did not grow up learning that as toddlers, how to self-regulate, what coping mechanisms are appropriate and not just to like hold things in and then explode all over everyone at some point. And so I I know a lot of adults who have never learned that or are just now learning that, which is amazing. It's never too late. Um, But yeah, it is very much, I think it's such an interesting comparison when we look at toddlers and then we look at adults who are dysregulated, it's because they never learned how to self-regulate as toddlers. Right. And that applies to so many of us. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I see it like all this. I see it within myself for sure. Like even even now with like the work that I do around it to try to be better at regulating myself, still old patterns will mm-hmm. show up. Like like I can see like with my parents telling my son not to cry, how many times I've tried to like hold back tears because I don't want I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable around me because that was the message mm-hmm. I was getting mm-hmm. from my parents by saying, don't cry and making everyone feel uncomfortable. Make everyone feel weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, even with like learning the techniques, it does take a while to like reprogram your brain. Like, Oh, absolutely. I mean, neuroplasticity is one of the most beautiful things i think it's so cool like we have again i just like this whole universe that we have inside of us that creates us and how we function is so magical and we most of the time just like are completely unaware of what's what's going on and the fact that we have the ability to change our brain change the 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 neural connections and networks and how they process and then how that affects every other thing about how we work is just I I'm so in love with that it blows my mind but and you know these connections that we've had since we were children that we've grown up with are incredibly strong we practice you know some of these patterns for whatever like I'm 37 so a really long so like I can't go a year of changing these patterns and creating new ones and think that those new patterns of that are a year old are going to override 37 year old patterns that's just not how it works eventually yes they will become weaker and less responsive but it takes time and again I think that is that's really hard because we want those immediate uh those quick fixes and like immediate results we live uh, increasingly in this in this era of immediate instant gratification and and that's really hard when it comes to things like this where we have to it, like there's no way around it it just takes time right right yeah it really, yes it takes time I mean I, mean, I see that too <laughs> with like physical therapy like particularly if you've been doing a movement pattern your whole entire life yeah it's not just going to change with one session and like a couple corrective exercises it just doesn't That's not how it works. Like it takes time for you to like, you might get it right once and then you kind of slip back to the way you were doing it before because it's just like your, it's your resting state, right? Like it's like homeostasis for your brain. So that's just like the way that you're going to, you're having to change that. So that's your baseline. That's your go-to. And exactly. And that doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. That doesn't mean that it's not working. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. That is just how we work. And so right. that is why consistency is so important. And consistency looks different from day to day and from person to person and in different parts of life. But as long as we're continuing to try to implement these things, it will be beneficial. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yes. Just the societal pr- pressure of having to change things immediately just may, I think, just really uh de-incentivizes people to continue on because it's not yeah it's just not incentivized for things to take a long time no it's not 
it's not sexy. It's not glamorous. It's not like, it's definitely not the cool thing to be like, yeah, I've been working on this for two years, day by day, and I'm slowly seeing results. (laughs) That sounds awful. (laughs) But that's what it is. Yeah. And I think that's why so many people, I look at like the business world, like being a, you know, being a business owner and people are like overnight success. And you're like, no way. Like a billion hours of work before they, they got to work. Overnight success after 12 years, 12 years of work. (laughs) Like that's just, that's not, that's not how it works. Or we look at, um, like I play tennis uh, and I follow like professional tennis players and stuff. And people were like, Oh, these kids, these people are so young that are winning tournaments. Cause they've been on the court since they were six years old, like learning these patterns over and over again, hour after hour and learning how to deal with the stress of being on the court. And like, that's why they made it sure there's going to be like a little bit of luck involved. There's always, once you get to get to a certain level, I think. Um, but yeah. it's the millions of hours of work that they put in before showing up on the court. <laughs> well, and very similarly to, you know, how, you know, teaching your toddler the self-regulatory skills, self-regulation skills. Um, it's the same type of thing when you were learning those things at a young age where you're learning, learning those movement patterns you're not unlearning anything. That's just your 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 first learned experience. And so you're not having to redo anything. You're not having to recorrect anything. It's just that is your pattern. You're not undoing a lifetime of whatever. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I do, I feel like, or at least in our circle of people, I feel like people are like, oh, it's going to take a while. Right. So I hope that that starts to radiate out to other people that things take time. And yeah, um, as we're learning new skills, like you said, we're unlearning other ones. So it's going to take time for things to change, like within our within ourselves then. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is. And I'm and that's why I'm I'm constantly inspired by by the the community that you know that we're part of with all these movement and like health and wellness professionals um because it is i think most of the folks that we interact with are are trying have the same a similar message and trying to promote a a different way of approaching things and a different kind of thought process around it which is desperately needed and sometimes I forget that that is not, that's not the norm still because that is the world that I am surrounded by that I choose to surround myself in. And then I step outside of it and I'm like, oh yeah, there's there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of work to do. And there's a lot of information around. So people who don't have the background in education, you know, who have specifically chosen these paths, it's there's so much in your face with like the internet and the invention of the internet. It was such an incredible thing. You can literally learn anything you want online, but there's a lot of crap on there too. And, and knowing how to navigate that, if you don't have a foundation for that, for understanding those things is really difficult. Yes. I think about, you know, my mother-in-law and she just, she'll read something on the internet and say like, well, it said, you know, some headline <laughs> and that's right. Right. I'm like, no, that's not no, no. I mean, I, 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 you know, for physical therapy school, we get, we get our doctorates now and they, one of the big things throughout the program is learning how to read research and like yeah. understand it. And I can tell you that I can do it. 
but even with my doctoral degree, I wouldn't say I'm good at it. Like, I wouldn't say that, like, I'm good at reading research and, like, discerning what might be a flaw yeah. in a study. And even that's with, like, a lot of training. You <laughs> With a lot of training. So, yeah, yeah, it's really difficult to determine what is, like, information that's, like, solid on the internet and what's, like, not so much. <laughs> yes. You know, and that's something that, um, and I, I don't know if we're veering off here, but that, I think that's a really important piece to touch on because how research is written kind of depends on on where, on what is being studied. Um, I can't think of the word that I'm, that I'm trying to reach for, but, um, I want to say industry, but that, that's, a, that's different in <laughs> academia. Anyways, um, so it depends on on who's publishing and what they're publishing as to like how how the article will be written, and then how how you're supposed to approach reading that as well. And yeah, I've you know had multiple classes that were just about like this is how you read journals <laughs> and this is this is what they mean, and I still sometimes I'm like. Mm, what is this actually saying? And so to navigate that again, without that, that foundation of like understanding, like it's, I don't, I don't know how somebody would do it. And I think another thing that I learned working in research that was kind of, I went into neuroscience research and I was like, Oh, it's for, I say it now and it seems so ridiculous, but I went into it thinking like, these are facts, like it's neuroscience and it's research and this is amazing. And this is where you get the answers. And ultimately we are the humans and the brains behind, you know, the research trying to figure out the brain. And as long as there are humans involved, there's always going to be bias. There's always going to be subjectivity. And, and so we really have to look at, you know, who's publishing, why they're publishing, what it's saying, who's benefiting. There's a lot of layers to understanding it. And so it gets really complicated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Well, and I I think it does relate to this too, because I think it's stressful. I think getting information (laughs) and like figuring out like what's going to help you if you're stressed out or in pain, like you're just looking at stuff because I find at least sometimes my clients are almost a little bit like desperate to find Mm -hmm. the answer to feeling better. And so the internet can be like a scary. (laughs) It can be be overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can end up in some, you can end up in all kinds of weird, weird places that are not really helpful. And just, you know, and that's what I had touched on earlier, the, um, just the poor information regarding breathwork out there. I was on Instagram and I was watching this, uh, breathwork account who has a very large following. Um, and there was somebody doing a live and they were doing some hyperventilating, some, some quick breathing, which activates your stress response. And that is useful, uh, depend, you know, for certain things. And then at the end, they asked, you know, everybody watching, can you feel your pleasure center? Can you feel your calm? Can you feel your relaxation? And I'm, I'm over here going, no, they can't because we've just, we've just activated our stress response, our sympathetic center. And so then that, you know, my first thought is that somebody who is desperate for, for a tool who just like is really looking for, for a change, something that they can implement goes to this thing tries this out and is like, well, no, this doesn't work for me. Or just, just this doesn't work at all when it was just poor information. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough out there. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot, That's... a lot, a lot of noise, a lot of noise. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, I'm going to ask you one more question that I ask all my all my people that that come on here, um, since this is this is your health matters. Um, particularly, I like to look at like healthcare stuff. And so, um, for you personally, what would you like to see changed in in healthcare? Oh my goodness! Um, so <laughs> <laughs> yes, so much. Um, we our system is just. Uh, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, most things, I think if, if we're talking about how it's structured and thought of here in the U S I would really like to see programs focusing more on teaching people how to participate in their own well-being and the power that they have to affect change in their lives instead of promoting, uh, uh, um, hierarchical structure where we're taught to look to the expert, which nobody is an expert of you except for you, (laughs) but we're taught to look at an expert doctors. You know, it's amazing to me when I hear people like, well, I don't know. The doctor just said this and they didn't, you know, listen to me and all of these things. It's just like, well, they don't, doctors are just people too, who have a specific type of education. (laughs) And so that's it. Um, and, and, you know, so instead of looking for somebody to, to intervene and, and fix us, which there's, nobody's broken. (laughs) Um, I think that's what I would like to see. I would like to see more of a focus on wellness education and teaching people how they can participate in their own, their own health and healing. I love that so much. And I really try to make that like, I really love that. Cause that's what I try with, with my patients when they come to see me is they're like, well, my doctor told me blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. Well, have <laughs> they lived in your body for this many years? No. So they're giving you their advice on the situation and you can determine if that advice works for you or not. Yes. And I think that goes bringing this full circle back to, you know, what we said at the beginning about people being so disconnected from ourselves and not knowing how, how we feel because we're taught to push that away and not acknowledge it, not paying attention to our body because we don't spend a lot of time there. Um, and, and, and yeah, that's exactly, I think. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, thank you so much, Jess, for, for coming on and chatting with me today. I love, I love talking about the brain and neuroscience stuff and I'll probably message you later about random neuroscience. I love it. (laughs) Um, So if people want to find you and learn more about uh, how to, how to handle stress, um, how can, how can they connect with you? Um, I will say the, I'm just going to give you one place because you can find all of the other places from that. I am most active on Instagram and it's jpb.brainbodyresilience. And then I have a link there to my website and my podcast and my offer, just all the things. So I think that is the easiest, easiest place to go. Awesome. And I'll put your Instagram in the, in the show notes so people can, can find you. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It was such a fun conversation. I think we could do this forever. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Jess. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Your Health Matters. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And to learn more from me, follow me on Instagram at Dr. Jackie Fenton. 
I look forward to chatting with you next week.